putting my words at the microphone because I'm in the house of Slytherin. I'm extremely excited and I'm making a point very loudly for some and I'm reason. I'm going to talk over Rob. Okay, I think it's... <laughs> nothing's peaking. Nothing's peaking at all. No, that's good, okay. So, so I... Play it back? Yeah. <clears throat> Hello and welcome to another episode of Once Upon a Time in Some Guy's Parents' House. This is Mike, your your host, and uh, with me are my usual co-presenters, Rob and Jules. Good afternoon, guys. How's it going? Aloha. Hello. And films to you. We got it films the right order this time. Too. We got it the right order this time. I was waiting for you to say, yeah, usually... The, the mystery is over. <laughs> usually your name is the first, but then I always say hello first, and it's just, it's it creates a very weird yeah. sort of universe for listeners. I'm glad we settled that, um, we cleared it all up, Rob. Yeah. Good point, Jules. Of course... That's the old bait and switch. And today, after the fireworks of Avengers Infinity War, we are going to uh, take it down a notch and uh, talk about Bill Holderman's, Bill Pull Holderman's, Bill um, or Bill Holderman's. Book, book Club, um, which, uh, if you don't don't know, is a uh, sort of comedy uh, about four ageing women played by Jane Fonda, Mary Steenburgen, Diane Keaton and Candice Bergen. Uh, who have a book club together. They read the novel Fifty Shades of Grey as part of this book club and their romance, uh, their romantic lives spur back into action after, in some cases, many years of absence. Rob, I'm going to ask you first. Something you liked and something you didn't like about the film Book Club, please. Ooh, okay. Something I liked. Um, probably watching Jules sink into his seat in <laughs> mortal anguish. Uh, and also, I quite liked... I'm wondering if Jules has any positives for this film, but... Well, I quite like some of the really terrible euphemisms when they got out of control. Um, basically, there's a scene where, um, for example, there's a scene where um, uh, a man is talking about his old motorcycle and lubing up the saddle. Oh, and uh, <laughs> oh, also used the word, used the phrase crankshaft as well, elicited some approval from me. But yeah, I mean, it's really bottom of the barrel stuff. <laughs> and I'm kind of not really enjoying the film on the level they probably Mr. Holderman wanted me to. The Mr. Bad, Holderman. I generally... <laughs> is he your... Like, Sir Holderman your, to you. <laughs> is he your, I don't know, your is high school he, principal or something? Sounds like <laughs> Mr. Holderman. He's teaching innuendo 101. <laughs> well, possibly he's just like a jock, you know. Holderman! This is all much better than the film. <laughs> yes. Um, the Bad, I suppose, I feel like is generally a missed opportunity with um, some of those actresses and actors. Especially Richard Dreyfus, who was, I think he was in the trailer, or at least I, I knew he was going to be in it, and he was in very briefly. Um, and I think there was some specific laziness in the animation department at the beginning, but we can talk about the that later. The animation department? Well, yeah, I'm not well sure they had this kind of, um, at the beginning, kind of, I quite liked where it was going, the, uh, the narration. Diane Keaton was doing an narration to set up the story, yes, and so there was kind of an arrested development right. style. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they had some bad Photoshop uh, of. Uh, the the, the yeah. four of them was it four of them uh, yes. sort of photoshopped together uh, from their younger days yes. uh, and but that wasn't so bad but it carried on into the kind of fake bumble pictures of uh, that judges her ex husband on holiday which just seems so fake it just oh, seemed like a kind of TV show character. or a web short so it didn't seem like a kind of major theatrical film piece of work like what right. couldn't they just shoot those bits on location or do them better and. Features aren't aren't cheap, Rob. Also, the flying sequences, the oh, blue, the green screens, oh, uh, flight. Were you flying cracked sequences. out laughing? As as but you didn't notice that when they had the the personal. Oh um, yes, when the, they're flying through the canyons the in Arizona, uh, Diane this? Keaton and Ray Liotta. That's the yes, one in in his plane, right? Yes. Whenever no, anyone says Ray, Ray Liotta, Ray Liotta. No, it isn't. Yeah, it's, it's uh, Andy Garcia. Andy Garcia. But when anyone Andy says Garcia. Ray Liotta, I just think of an otter. <laughs> 
I can't get it out of my head. Uh, I, I just think of a man eating his own brain whenever I think of Ray Liotta. Because the film Hannibal, do you remember the scene? Oh, yeah, Hannibal that was Ray Liotta. That, that's all I can I think, think of. I think of a budget Andy right. Garcia, and Andy Garcia is a budget <laughs> Al Pacino. So it's like the grand budget. But that's a very specific bad. I think generally, yes. well, we'll get into that. Uh, Jules, though, same, same question to, to Jules. And good, good point first, please, Jules. Good point first. Make oh, a good point. Oh, I, I, <laughs> Make a really good point. I loved the uh, the cat the, the big, until uh, it was yes. used. Funnily enough, for the word pussy for some innuendo, when Candice Bergman takes her cat to the vet, and even though she's talking to a vet about her cat for five seconds, she suddenly suddenly thinks this man in the position of authority is talking about her vagina because you know. That's what this film is. I, I, I did like the term lethargic pussy. I, 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 that, 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 that did get a chuckle from me. Well, that's what the vet diagnoses the cat as having. I think I've heard their work on um, Chicks Music, actually. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, you know, his, his, his declaration, I think what we have here is a case of a lethargic pussy. I, I did think, I, that made me chuckle, I, I, I admit. Whether that, low, that, whether that lowers me in your uh, estimate, Jules. I, it involves the cats, so I suppose it's, it's 50-50 on that. I, I, I guess that my biggest problem with this thing, I mean, and I, and I say this to someone who, I mean, I'll preface this by saying, I'm someone who loves romantic comedies. I think I really mm. enjoy, enjoy them as a genre when they're, when, when they're executed well. I mean, Can you give me an it's... example of a couple of romantic comedies that you really like? I love Notting Hill. Oh, yeah? I think that's an amazing film. And I know that's really divisive among people, but I, it always, um, always touches me. And uh, you know, I feel like I'm in some weird innuendo scene where everything I say is going to be. <laughs> <laughs> I feel coming out of this film, every single thing sounds like an innuendo. You're in a safe space. It's all right. <laughs> but I, um, but I, I enjoy these. It's a genre of movies I enjoy very much. I mean, yeah. this is especially in you're uh, a sap. And I'm saying especially yeah. in television as well, actually, because one thing this did bother me a lot was it felt like a really shit version of Sex and the City. <laughs> and I love Sex and the City. Not the film. Right. Films are terrible. But the series, I absolutely loved it. Okay. It got to me. That's this a felt... pretty good qualifier. Yeah, no, okay. So as a Sex and the City fan. Yeah. Which is very weird for a, you know, 32-year-old man to say. And I was probably in my teenage years when it was, uh, when it was uh-huh. on television. But I, I loved that. And this felt like someone had watched Sex and the City, aged them about 40 years. Yeah. And then their only understanding of how people and women work is sex in the city plus 40 years. But they're not, it's, it's, it didn't feel like real people to me. It's odd because um, I couldn't quite divorce some of the actresses from the parts. Like I just kept mm. thinking that they were playing parts because they didn't really inhabit them because they were so simplistic. Really like right. Diane Keating randomly has a kind of a meltdown at one point. For, doesn't seem to, seems to come out of nowhere. Well, this, um, is the, this is the other thing I was going to say is coming from a romantic comedy lover is the it's a genre that's incredibly derivative it's something where you see one you do see them all it's because the audience expects certain things coming off you expect your happier endings you expect your love conquers all themes these sorts of generalities and, it, and it's fine it's, it's one of the few genres where you don't have to be very original to please an audience and um this is like it's it's it, this is so derivative of romantic comedies but it's not executed in a way that's kind of Works. It's like it's seen romantic comedies and thinks this is where the beat is, where it's the, where everything falls apart. And then you get this moment where in the film, where in the, the lowest the low moment, like at the end of Act Two, where all four characters' plot lines all start hitting their lowest moment, and you have a sequence that's about ten minutes long, and every character is is basically beginning of sentence with, "I realise that." Yeah, they all become experts. They all become experts. They all they all they all are at the same right. moment, and it's just which is a bit 
It's just like, well, this, it's like it's, it's like it's been surgically implanted because this is what the movie needs to do at this point. Even though that Diane Keaton bit, yeah. Diane Keaton's character at that point, her whole thing that she she goes through is that her kids are they, they treat her like she's a child, effectively. They they treat her like she's she's like because a she's a widower because she's. Sorry? Because she's a widower, I think. Because she's a widower. Because her, her husband died, I think, a year previously in the backstory. Yes. The kids, who are about 40, I think, the, the reference they That's make. That's what they say, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. They are thinking, oh, oh, mum, you need to come live with us in Arizona. In our in basement. basement. In the basement. <laughs> you can't live on your own. You can't take it. And obviously, she's... Can't go up an escalator. Can't go up an escalator. You have to sit down at the, the little area reserved for these old people while we go up the escalator in the shopping mall. Oh, God, the moment... Oh, any moment. <laughs> that moment. I was... That was the moment she sat down in a... Um, Vibrating, in a vibrating chair. chair, and my my mind was just at that point. You sunk lower in your seat. Please at that point. don't go. Please don't go. <laughs> I know what they didn't. In fact, if this movie had actually been been dirtier, if they'd actually gone the full hog, it might have been more entertaining because it would have felt more original. I think. Although I think you were somewhat in the middle of a point, I am going to yeah, pick sorry. you up there. Um, I I thought one of the one of the things that this movie did not do really was live up to the trailer's sense that you know is, is it actually that important in this film that they what that they read Fifty Shades right. of Grey? Exactly. No, exactly. No, no I was points. expecting I was expecting a much raunchier film. Mm. I was expecting at least one of them. I thought it was going to be Mary Steenburgen's character who's trying to mm. uh, sexually reawaken her husband Craig T Nelson. But um, I thought she was going to go down the sort of the raunchy, spanking, sort of whips and ties and thing. I thought we were definitely going to get a scene where, you know, he walks into <laughs> the bedroom and Mary Steenberg is tied to her bed or something. And it just didn't, though. The film and you was were disappointed. Really, well, I just think it's not, no, what it, it's not what it said it was going to be, right? They yeah. might have a, a, as it's well. It's a trading like, standard. It's basically about romance. Also, I yeah, thought they really were going to have a parallel no, with the book. Maybe as they read along each chapter, they're like, oh, they did this, let's try wow, this. that was that and bit where That I sort was, of thing. But the last moment when it finally, where I, I realised this film is not going to try and impress me at all was where um, we, it was... Um, uh, God, why don't you want to see Ray Liotta? Andy Garcia. <laughs> Ray Liotta. Just a giant otter flying a plane. Well, Andy Garcia... Is like he's got one secret left, and he's quite creepy. There's something going uh, on in his yeah, look. He's, he's got too smooth. He's got he? glassy eyes. Yeah. He's you know he's a shark about to strike. There's something going on in his character as he romances Donkey and Run thinking this guy's maybe this is going to be a Christian Grey parallel, mm, and right. he's about to show her a room that's all dark. I mean, oh God, he's got a red room. He's, yeah. he's got a red room. This should, this could actually be quite funny. She's neurotic and nervous and kind of Woody Allen like. I wonder why that is. And he's kind of smooth and secretive. Oh, it's a plane. Oh, he's going <laughs> right. to take her right. for flying. Oh, it's a regular PG-related romantic It was comedy. so PG-13. It was so PG-safe. Yeah. Uh, I, I thought that was a bit disappointing because I thought it was going to be a bit dirtier, this film. I also thought that it was very unambitious, uh, mm. generally, in its writing. I thought I, I thought immediately the, the, the expository introduction to all of these characters where instead of say setting up that Mary Steenbergen is a, is a chef by having like the first scene with her take place in her kitchen they're just you know let's let's spend 20 seconds just saying this is Mary Steenbergen's character she's a really oh, successful it's... chef mm. uh, i'm just going to i'm just going to skip any kind of hard work and just like just just lay the lay the lay the foundations for this film and then essentially we have four um, stories running in parallels in a film which is what about 100 minutes in length mm. so really they just need to write all of the like the three main scenes from the romances of each of these uh, plots and then just string them together and they've got a film, right? Right, yeah, it's, yeah, you know. it's me, right? Okay, again. Bloody hell. <laughs> All right, so uh, so we're back. Uh, some of you won't, won't <laughs> notice that we were gone, but actually we just recorded 15 minutes of footage of us talking about Book Club and I hadn't hit 
the record button hard and enough. Then, and then, and then what happened, Mike? <laughs> I just kicked us off again, but I hadn't hit the record button hard enough. So here we are for the third time, Rob. I believe I somehow I, I I can feel it inside that you have a point to make about uh, the way Bill Holderman approached this project to begin with. I can see a wavelength, so I, we're definitely recording. <laughs> I, I think maybe <laughs> sound is being recorded. So um, basically, <laughs> this is like Groundhog Day. Um, but yes, um, I was looking into uh, how the premise of this film was um, came about. Basically, how interesting. And um, <laughs> essentially, Bill Holderman, first time director. <laughs> Doesn't show. Doesn't show at all. Shots fired. Jules, Jules, uh, firing shots at another director. My goodness, it's going to be Bill Holderman and Rory Thad teaming it's up. Pronounced raw footage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Bill came up with an idea, uh, the idea, when he gave uh, a copy of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey to his mother on Mother's Day. Who wouldn't? Who wouldn't do that? Okay, so I mean that's rather a tone deaf uh, thing to do, possibly depending on your relationship with your mother. What but and I thought, well, that's at least original. But then I found out later that um, this is just a prank. This is just something that he copied off Robert Redford. <laughs> and so it, Wait, it, it Robert Redford gave his mother a copy of uh, Fifty Shades of Grey. Robert Redford gave Bill Holderman's mother. And he said, said another one. <laughs> and it was, like, it was unnecessary idea. at that point. But it does speak to the the uh, the fact that you just said just mere moments ago <laughs> <laughs> that uh, it almost, the film almost seemed like a kind of, a person an alien had seen uh, Sex and the City yeah. and then like tried to recreate it. Tommy well, was so this is the same sort of thing. He's seen Robert Redford give his mum Fifty Shades of Grey and he's thought, oh, I must do that now. But there may be some reason why he <laughs> Robert Redford has done that with his mother. But so it speaks of this kind of yeah. You know, uh, Lack of originality, maybe. Someone who yeah, doesn't I mean, understand how emotions work, but he sees other people explicit emotions and things. Explicit. Exactly. Did, illicit I mean, emotions. The, the, the script of this film did feel like, and I think it speaks to a point you made a little bit earlier, which is it's, it's like they fed the, the formula of a rom-com into an AI, and it just and this is just the first result they got out, and they, they barely changed anything about it. And just, just script wizard. Yeah, exactly. And they yeah. just stuck some actresses in it, and bish bash bosh, you've got a, you've got a movie. It, it speaks to something you were saying earlier, Mike, about the... Um, four actresses having their own separated plot lines and then they never really sort of converge except like maybe I don't know about four scenes where they're meant to believe they're friends yes. but that's structured very much like a sitcom oh it's, yes it's, it's four different plot lines that don't converge and they don't seem else. like friends and uh, also the partners don't even seem like they know each other which uh, oh, can be seen uh, very clearly in the uh, Viagra Rufi uh, scene ah uh, yes the Viagra Rufi that. scene that let's was... talk about the Viagra Rufi scene let's okay, <laughs> okay this 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 speaks to so many problems about this film. Well, no, it's something that is kind of interesting is uh, is Craig T. Nelson. He's Craig the one T. Nelson, the hu- most Mr. Mr. Husband, isn't incredible, it? and the dad from Poltergeist. And Coach. From what a Coach. winning combination! Winning combination. Ooh. He um, he he comes across to me as the one of the only empathisable characters in the entire thing because he's going through this struggle where he's he he. he He's retired, and therefore he's going through an existential crisis of where is his life going, and and he's he's so all over the place that he finds it very hard to be sexually aroused, at, you know, at times, which is understandable. His mind's elsewhere. Yet his wife's problem way of getting around this uh, is to drug him with Viagra in his beer. <laughs> well, in and public. As in well. public, in yeah. a bar. So the idea being that, well, one, I mean, that's not how Viagra works. Anyway, it doesn't <laughs> magically make you incredibly aroused and you must have your wife. Then it's like, no, the blood's flowed to a specific area. That's cured my physical problem. 
but they've got an emotional problem. So already, it's, it's, it's in the ground of this isn't how the world works. Then she then gets really angry with him because he's angry that she drugged him <laughs> for a problem that I can understand. <laughs> and it just, right. it feels like she wasn't written by a woman. And the main characters are women. Yes. Mm. I don't understand that thought process. I feel like the whole film was set up on the idea that people are going to enjoy the idea that Jane Fonda and Diane Keaton and Candice Bergen and Mary Steenburgen mm. are friends and that they would meet up and have uh, lots of wine together. And they'd sit around the sofa and they'd talk about, um, they'd talk about their lives. And that was really the, that's, that feels to me that that was the initiating point of this whole movie, are the scenes mm. where they're all sitting together talking about their love lives. But actually, most of the film is obviously these four separate plots, uh, and then every now and then we get a scene where they're together. And I did think that uh, there are so many like thirty-second scenes in this film. There are so many scenes that are just this is the joke we need to tell, so let's just film this joke, and then it just ends. There's no setup. There's no sitcom. <coughs> and the longest, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes. And the longest scenes in this film are the ones where they are they're all together and they're mm. talking and they're having the wine. And I feel like yeah, they just uh, half a this, glass this of film wine. was just this film was just basically those scenes, and then let's hang some let's hang some thirty second jokes around them. You're right, and uh, they definitely didn't abide by the kind of uh, show don't tell rule uh, as well. In those scenes, those are the scenes where we hear that Jane Fonda's character uh, has many suitors, but we could have just as easily have seen them being you know uh, a revolving door of uh, Jane Fonda's bedroom, yes. different men coming out, yeah, being thrown out of the hotel. Yes. Uh, you know, because the, the, one of the key elements is that she never lets a man sort of sleep over. They have sex, but they as she tells over. us, as she tells us, but we could have seen that a little montage. You know, I mean, a bunch of um, 60, 70 year old women in a raunchy sex comedy. I mean, I can't say exactly said to film I would want to go and see, but at least it's a somewhat of an original concept. And that's this isn't the sort of film that gets made nowadays at all. You don't make. Uh, mid-budget films, you certainly don't make romantic comedies because and release them into cinemas. They tend to be more something that gets released on Netflix or Amazon with their distribution rights. Because yeah. And not films that rest yeah. on the idea that, oh, here's, here's four big yeah. actresses that you, you know star who people are, star now. vehicles. There's um, a book I was reading recently called The Big Picture. I can't bloody remember what the author's name is. I feel really bad about that. It's about how... Um, I mean, you had the time to look it up. Yeah. I know. I should have looked it up. <laughs> this is pure reasons. laziness <laughs> from films. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. One of the things that this addresses is how Hollywood has changed over the last sort of 20, 30 years, where it's moved from star-driven vehicles and mid-range films yeah. to 10, 15 years ago, franchises started getting it big. No one could make <coughs> money anymore of anything else. And these sorts of films like Book Club represent a time from like the mid-90s, for the most part, where you've got these four actresses who've all got very big name cred, or at least, you know, they certainly did back when they were making more movies. And... Just putting their names on a poster would make a lot of money. Yeah. But that isn't true nowadays. So the fact that this movie even exists, even gets financing and distribution in a cinema, is a massive missed opportunity. So I'm going to take that opportunity to uh, to wrap up. Rob, would you recommend Book Club to our listeners? No. Thank you very much. Jules, how about you? Depends how much you hate yourself, I guess. Um... Would you recommend it? I uh, am fairly ambivalent about this one. I didn't. I mean, it wasn't. It wasn't for me. I felt like um, if you think you are going to enjoy book club, I think you probably will enjoy book club. Uh, and if you don't think you will enjoy book club, you probably will not enjoy book club. Uh, so it's thumbs firmly, firmly in a neutral position. Uh, palms, palms down, resting on the table. I'm but the thumbs well, are only in a neutral position because they can't be moved because of due to arthritis. Yes, because of the onset of arthritis. 
let's uh, call it call it a day there after recording most of that for for a second time. Uh, thank you very much for listening. This has been the third episode of Once Upon a Time in Some Guy's Parents' House. Some guy will be back uh, in this very house to talk with his friends about another movie very soon. Thanks very much. Bye. To the lose. <laughs>